Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. Today, we are talking about integrity. All right, everybody say integrity. Integrity, integrity. Integrity. My goodness. Hey, right here. Integrity. Integrity. Thank you. Thank you. We do it every time I preach. I know I get on your nerves. Uh, So, if you didn't know already, we are in week four, right? Uh, Week four of the greatest sermon ever. We're going to be in Matthew 5, uh, 31 through 37. So, before we jump in there, um, and before we get into the Word of God, I have to preface this message a little bit. Tonight we're talking about a touchy subject. Um, you know, two people uh, can, can strive and they can do everything in their power to get toward the same goal and do it two different ways. Um, and so, Gracie and I could go on a mission trip and her heart be focused on spreading the gospel, getting the gospel to those who are lost, and I can go just to get my picture with the orphan and post it on the gram, right? But we're both on a mission trip. And so, two people... Um, two people can, can do the exact same thing, but have different motivations or different motives in their heart. And so tonight, um, we're going to be looking at how there's the same objective, but two different directives, okay? There's the same objective, but two different directives in tonight's message. Um, here in a minute, we're going to see what Jesus takes these two different directives and ties them into one objective. Um, and it do, it's hard because it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily relate to us sometimes, but there is application for us as students uh, in here in this room. And so if you aren't there already, I need you to turn to Matthew 5 in your Bibles. Matthew 5, and we're going to pick up in verse 31. Jesus says, It was also said, Whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the grounds of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Verse 33. Again, you have heard it it said uh, to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say simply be yes or no. Anything more than that comes from the evil one. Let's pray. God, I pray in your word tonight um, that we would take these two directives and God, that they would motivate our hearts toward the main objective tonight. Um, Lord, I pray that you would be evident in your word and that your Holy Spirit would lead. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now, look in your Bible real quick, verse 31. And what Jesus is basically saying here, right, I'm gonna paraphrase a lot tonight because like I said, some of this is hard to apply it to students. Um, But Jesus basically says, listen, you all know the law. Uh, You know that it says that a man can divorce his wife as long as he gives her a certificate of divorce. So, boom, there's, there is directive number one. What is it? Shout it out. What is it? Divorce, right? Directive number one is divorce. That's why I said it's so hard to apply to students sometimes. Um, But now jump with me down to verse 33. And we see that the directive is, is, is uh, divorce. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paraphrase again here. But he says, you all know the law. And it says, don't swear 
falsely, meaning don't make promises you can't keep, or don't say, I swear to God, or I'll do blank. I swear by God, I'll do this, or I'll do that. Um, and so there's directive number two, which is don't keep your word, or oaths. And so we have our two directives here. Uh, number one again is what? Number, number one again is what? Number two is what? So we have divorce and keeping your word. And so now remember, these two directives are used to motivate us uh, toward the main objective, which is integrity in our hearts. And so directive number one, we're going to break it down real quick. Divorce. Now listen, I want to let you know too that that word carries weight. And we understand that here. Um, I know that this topic can be such touchy for some of you, so uh, at any time you feel like you need to go and, and walk out and need to talk to a refuel leader or pull them aside, you can. Uh, nobody's going to look at you weird or indifferent. Uh, we want to be here to love you through these things. And so um, I needed to say that, but I want to share too, um, you're not in it alone. Uh, a lot of us have had at least our parents have talked about divorce. Uh, if it hasn't happened in our own marriages, um, it it very well could have. When I was 13, um, my parents, they, they started tossing around the word divorce. So I, I don't come from money, but my parents have worked really hard for what they have. Uh, they always provided for me. Um, but when financial struggles hit, it takes a toll on a marriage. Uh, it takes a toll very hugely. And so all that to be said, um, I, as a 13-year-old, when you hear the word divorce, your heart sinks. Like, I, I didn't know what the word meant. I just knew that it was bad. Um, maybe you're in that position tonight, but I got baptized because I thought that it would help my parents' marriage. Like, I was not a believer when I got baptized at 13 years old. I was dunked in the Ohio River for nothing. Like, and that was my first mistake. Has anyone ever been in the Ohio River? It's disgusting. Like, I'm pretty sure a Band-Aid and a turd, like a, a Band-Aid wrapped around a turd just floated by me on the way down. But anyways, that was my first mistake. And so uh, I got baptized thinking it would make things better at the house. And it did for about two weeks and that spiritual high wore off. Um, my, me, my sister, and my dad, we were all baptized in the, the, the turd floating Ohio River. And... Um, it was for the wrong reasons. Uh, I just thought that it would make everything better. Now, listen, I could sit here and I could go on and on about the biblical grounds for divorce or what we believe here at this church or what the Bible says. Um, and if you have those questions, please come to a refuel leader afterwards. But I'm not going to sit here and hammer you with those because it's such a hard topic to apply to you. Um, but listen, if you want to know, like I said, our church's position or what the Word of God says, come pull me or Matt aside or one of your other refuel leaders, and we would love to counsel you through that. But we absolutely must understand the crowd that Jesus addresses here. And my story will make sense here in a little bit. Um, but if you, if you don't believe that the topic of divorce has been debated for thousands of years, I would love to tell you that you're wrong. It has been debated for thousands of years. In fact, we actually have two different schools of thought here in this passage. We have number one, the school of Shammai. Everybody say Shammai. Shammai. Everybody say Shammai. 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 Everybody say hello. hello. Everybody say hello. hello. So we had the, the, the Shammai and the Hallel. Uh, and so these two different acts of school or these two different thoughts of school, uh, the Shammai thought that a man could divorce his wife 
as long as she was caught in sexual adultery. Um, so that was the Shammai school of thought. Now the school of Hillel, uh, it's kind of funny, but they thought that you could divorce your wife if she burnt dinner, right? So if she burnt the grilled cheese, you're kicking her to the curb, right? Or if she um, didn't clean the bathroom, you could divorce your wife. And so that's what the school of Hillel thought. And with that in mind, I want you to take your Bibles and look to Matthew 19. When the Pharisees confront him, uh, in verse 4, the, or 3, the Pharisees confront Jesus and say, Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? And Jesus said, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. Verse 7. They said to him, Why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? And Jesus said to them, Because of the hardness of your heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, and marries another, commits adultery. And so Jesus goes straight for the heart here. He says, listen, fellas, like you're coming at me with the law. And, and it was put into place because of the hardness of the heart, right? Divorce was not... God's original plan for marriage but he allowed it because of the hardness of the heart. Uh, the law of Moses allows it because their hearts were hardened uh, and he uses the directive of divorce to get to the objective of what? What's the objective of tonight? Integrity, Integrity right? So Jesus uses the directive of divorce to get to the heart of the, the objective of the heart, which is integrity. Uh, and so what is integrity? What, is, what does that word mean? Well, in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word translated integrity means the condition of being without blemish, completeness, perfection, sincerity, soundness, uprightness, wholeness. Integrity in the New Testament, it means honesty and adherence to the pattern of good works. Integrity starts and blooms in the heart. The law of Moses permitted divorce because they were not men of integrity. They were men of a hardened heart. Uh, they were not men who were without blemish. Uh, and they were men, like I said, with hardened hearts. I can't stress that enough. So you fast forward from the time when the law of Moses was given to when these Pharisees cornered Jesus and they're attacking him. Uh, and, and nothing had changed in the hearts of men. That same sinful nation or sinful nature is still relevant in the hearts of these men 2,000 years later. And so Jesus cuts straight to the heart. And when they ask Jesus this question, they are asking it with a hardened heart. They're not asking with the heart of grace. And let me make one, one thing clear. I will say this. The Bible gives grounds for divorce. But that does not mean that, God's desire, that God desires a divorce to occur. The Bible does give grounds for a divorce, but it does not mean that God desires a divorce to occur. I watched uh, recently as the grace of God pierced the hearts of my parents. Um, I saw it when I was about 17 or 18. Uh, it was rocky at home, um, but I saw there was a switch in their minds and they went from, uh, I have it on the screen here. Uh, my parents' mindset, there was a change thanks to the Holy Spirit. 
And instead of asking, is blank grounds for divorce? Um, they changed their mindset and they asked, is blank grounds for forgiveness and restoration or counseling? And so my parents never got a divorce uh, by the grace of God. And they've been together for almost 24 years now because um, when divorce attacked the integrity of their hearts, they submitted to the grace of the Spirit of God. And now I, I'm not saying that to put you down if your parents have been divorced. I say that to, to relate to you that I understand a little bit. I don't understand entirety. But I understand a little bit the hurt that that word can cause and the weight that that word carries. But I also want to let you know that the grace of God can change even the worst of situations. No matter how hard you think it is at home or how tough it is with your parents fighting or talking about this word divorce, the spirit of God, the grace of God can encounter and change whatever situation you're in at home. And so I wanted to let you know that Jesus uses this directive of divorce to motivate our hearts toward the objective of integrity. And so uh, number two, Jesus goes on to address the second directive of keeping your word. Look what he says with me real quick um, in verse 33. He says, again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord, what you have sworn. Jesus jumps straight to the next directive of keeping your word. Remember, these scribes and Pharisees, these were men of hardened hearts. And so their mindset of the time was, oh, well, I, I can swear by anything on, the, on this earth. Like, I swear on my mama. On my mama, I swear on my mama. They would swear on anything. And because they thought that they were righteous men, they had this power that whatever they swore by would become true. Uh, and they would abuse God's name by saying, I, I, I swear to God, or uh, by God, we will do this, or by God, we will do that. And so you see a lot of this today. Uh, there are men, and it's a false teaching sweeping the country. And I don't mean to like bash these men, but a lot of people have these prophecies. Like they come to, to tell you these, these or events that will happen in the future, and, and they're false. Um, and so... It sounds something like, I don't know if you've ever heard it, but it sounds something like, um, God has given me a special revelation and in five years, blank, 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 blank will happen. And the problem here is that they're abusing the name of God by swearing that God affirms their truth. And so Jesus takes the directive of using oaths or keeping your word and he motivates us to the objective of living by integrity. Look what he says here in chapter five and verse 34. Jesus says, but I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is his, which means God, it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. These men were swearing by other things uh, other, other than God too, but as long as they they didn't swear by God sometimes. They thought that it was permissible. Like, oh, I'll just swear by the hair of my head. Then it'll be okay. I'm not, I'm not tempting God or I'm not swearing by God. And so Jesus cuts straight to their heart condition to reveal what it was and who God is. He says, why would you swear by heaven? Why swear by heaven? It's the literal throne of God. Why would you swear by earth? It is his footstool. Earth is under God's footstool. 
Why would you swear by Jerusalem? It is the city that God has chosen. And this is where Jesus cuts even deeper. He says, don't you think that you're some hot shot and you can swear by yourself that you're so puffed up with pride and a heart and heart that you won't depend on the Father. Um, it's, it's not you who created that hair on your head. It was him. Don't swear by your own self or by your own body. And so Jesus is using the directive of taking a word or keeping your word to motivate us towards integrity, to motivate these men toward integrity. Uh, verse 37, Jesus says, let what you say, let what you say simply be yes and no. Anything more than that comes from evil. Meaning literally, let your yes be yes or your no be no. That's, that's exactly what he's saying. This does not mean that you, you can't say, I, I can probably get that done. Or I can probably do this. I can probably do that. But it means that you should, you should not swear by God's name to promise you'll get something done. Do not use God's name to do this. Just a simple yes or no works. Jesus uses divorce and keeping your word as directives to motivate our hearts toward the objective of integrity. And I have three practical ways for you real quick on how to walk in integrity. Number one, strive to be the same person in front of the crowd as you are behind the scenes. Listen, when the pressure's on and you're at school or what, what's in, uh, or you're in a crowd uh, and you have a choice to do what you know is godly. Not necessarily the right thing, because a right thing in today's world can mean multiple different things. But you have a chance to do what is godly. That is when what's on the inside comes out. And so, in a crisis or when you're under stress, uh, we don't have the luxury of keeping up these appearances. What's on the inside comes out. And so, whether you realize it or not, people are always watching you. Friends, family, peers, coworkers, like everyone is always watching you if you're a believer and you period if you're not a believer. Uh, but especially if you're a believer, you have this due diligence to keep up your character and integrity. And so, uh, like I said, strive to be the same person in front of the crowd as you are behind the scenes. Number two, be very careful not to conform. You see, character isn't always who we say we are. It's who we actually are. Um, you can fake almost anything in, in life. You can fake your way. You can fake it till you make it. Um, but when rubber meets the road, character will triumph almost any, any mask or fake appearance that you can put on. And so Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Uh, number three, learn to value the process of building character. Romans 5, 3 through 5 says, more than that, we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And so we live in a fast-paced world. You can go to Burger King, and if you want a burger, you can get a burger, right? And you can have a burger in less than five minutes. If you want a new song and you want to download it, you can do that in a minute, in like, that if you have good Wi-Fi. I don't know. But anyways, I say that to say like the danger in this world 
is that too many people think that they can do the same with their character. So many people think, oh, I can just, I can just act like this or I can just act like that. And uh, character takes a process. And so fall in love with the process of building character. Um, real quick, I have application for you. I don't have F words. Everybody say, oh. I have S words. Almost worse. Almost worse. Uh, and so if you're in Proverbs, look with me real quick. Uh, number one, I have that when you are walking in integrity, right? So I just gave you a couple ways to walk in integrity. These are the results of walking in integrity. Number one, you're secure. You're secure. Proverbs 10.9 says, Whoever walks in integrity walks securely. But he who makes his ways crooked will be found out. Meaning that the man or woman who walks in integrity has nothing to hide in this life. And so you aren't bound by the chains of anxiety or fear of people finding out who you really are when that stress or uh, when, when tough situations hit. You are secure. Number two, straightforward. Proverbs 11.3 says, The integrity of the upright guides them, but the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. This means that you cannot go wrong when walking in integrity provided by the Lord. Number three, you are set apart when you walk in integrity. Proverbs 20 and verse 7 says, The righteous who walks in integrity, blessed are his children after him. It's noticeable whenever someone is walking in integrity. It's hard not to notice uh, when someone walks in integrity. And not only will their children notice, but so will everyone else because People who walk in integrity, um, they're different than this world. Listen, whatever, I'll close with this. Whatever directives God uses in your life, my hope and my prayer, and it's the prayer and hope of these leaders, uh, we pray that it motivates you toward integrity. And so whatever directives God uses in your life, let it motivate you toward integrity. Let's pray. God, thank you for Matthew 5 in this sermon. Um, Lord, I, I thank you for piercing the hearts of these Pharisees at the time. Lord, I pray that uh, with all the hardened hearts in this room, would your grace and your life-changing, transform, transforming spirit pierce our hearts. Uh, Lord, I pray that we would submit to your word. Lord, would you comfort us if one of our parents or both of our parents are going through a divorce? Um, Lord, would you help us to keep our word? And in doing that, Lord, I pray um, that we would strive for integrity. God, thank you for your word and uh, thank you for tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.